welcome to CigarCast, your weekly one-stop shop for all things cigar-related, including industry news, reviews, and everything in between. We're recording live from Crown Cigars and Ales here in beautiful Brentwood, Tennessee. I'm one of your hosts, Trey Devin. I'm joined as I am every week by Mr. Shane Reeves. Okay, I need to propose something. I'm already engaged. We, no, not that. I'd like to think I could do better, but at my age, can I wait? <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think every week you should have to earn your cigar. Okay. I don't think people should just willy-nilly go about grabbing So you're not cigar. just talking about you and me. You're talking about everybody. I'm, I'm, I'm proposing a nationwide. So if you've had a crappy day, get your brick house. Right. If, well, not even that. Sometimes if you've had a crappy day, hold on, i got to adjust this so there's a loud squeak. Right. That's yeah. what it is. You know, okay. that's why we turn the mics on before we start recording. Well, yes. And it, hey, you're talking yourself right out of a cigar over there. <laughs> Hey, I've earned my cigar today. I've worked a tough one today. And that's what I'm saying. You know, is there anything worse than seeing somebody who come in here and who has, um, you know, obviously played golf all day or been sitting behind the counter, behind a computer somewhere, and they go and get a really great cigar and you think, did they earn that cigar? Well, let me counter your argument here. Does this have to be a daily basis thing? Because I would argue... That the retired guy that spent 40 years working in the mines, who now spends his days on the golf course, has earned that cigar. He may not have done it today, but he put in the time. But, okay, but old dude, make a, you know, tell me you planted your garden. Make an effort. Okay. I mean, just just make an effort. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna demand a full resume review, and for a small fee, I can give them a padrone exemption a couple of times a week. So then, I guess I kind of blew your ears out on that one, didn't I? Um, so does that mean that the breakfast cigar is out? Well, not no. If you you know say you got up and you walked the dog three miles, you're entitled to to a breakfast cigar. Okay. You know, but if you if you're just you know just tooling around and diddling around, well then you know you need a special exemption. I'm I'm going to have to work out all the details on the Earn Your Cigar program. Okay, but I'm not doing this for anybody but for you. Because how good is it when you've had that good day and you go get that good cigar? How much better is it? Oh, it's tremendous. But also, how good is it when you've had that really crappy day and you go get a good cigar too? I don't know. I feel like that cigar rescue. And well, I'm not big into, into, into cigar rescue. Yeah. A uh, cigar should be the destination, not the vehicle. Yeah. I, th- I think you should be able to celebrate with a cigar more so than, okay, it's been a lousy day. I'm going to get a good cigar and try to save what's left yeah, of it. Yeah. It's not a six-pack of Pabst Blue Ribbon. That's, what <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and I'll so let's... speaking of cigars, uh, what are you going to be smoking tonight? So this is interesting. I've never smoked this cigar before. You've smoked it on the show. I've seen it a thousand times. You want to get that? No. <laughs> I've seen it a thousand times. And uh, it's the Illusione MJ-12. Distinctive because it comes wrapped in the aluminum foil style right. wrapper. Which is Cuban style. It's a very, very retro. Well, when you pop the cap on that wrapper, that aroma that hits you is magical. Oh, man, it jumps right out at you. That, I, I haven't smoked it yet, but that may be my favorite part of this cigar. This wrapper is just silky smooth. Um, the leaf I'm speaking of. Right. I, pulled, I went ahead and did right. the... Right, not the foil, but yeah, the actual tobacco. Yeah, I went ahead and pulled tobacco. the foil off of. That's why the show's starting late. Well, it's such a beautiful medium-bodied cigar. Mm-hmm. 
Well, the, the leaf is beautiful. I got a little black dot. It's a little, just a little speckling on it. It looks like it's going to be wonderful. The smell is great. Really excited for this cigar tonight. It's a Nicaraguan cigar. The wrapper is Mexican, and the wrapper leaf is actually a San Andreas Mexican. So just a, a great cigar. I think it's going to be... And I love Illusione. They don't do no wrong in my eyes. No, they really make a wonderful cigar. I love the story behind that cigar. The MJ is in some way related to Roswell. I don't remember the exact story, but a lot of his cigars are tied to conspiracy theories in terms of names and things like that. He's a real interesting guy from, by all accounts, I've not had the chance to meet him myself. But Did, did we just get the stink eye? Probably. I think a guy just walked by and gave us this. Now, I never got the stink eye in a cigar shop. <laughs> Trey, you're, you're degrading my reputation, apparently. I That's got to be what it he is. He may have heard me ranting about earning your cigar and was so ashamed he's got up and left. Well, anybody that can get his hair to stand up like that in a windy day like this, I, just, I think deserves his cigar. That's... That's a pretty bold accomplishment. What are you going to smoke? I am going to smoke. Oh, I'm done talking about the MJ-12? Okay. Uh, yes. I'm going to smoke the Florida Las Antillas <laughs> Well, as long as, you're, as long as you're gabbing on about it, I can't light it because you may ask me no, a question. I, was, I so, was gabbing to give you an opportunity to get it lit. That's how this show works. No, no, Where no, have no. you been the last no, 215 no. episodes? I light while you talk about your cigar. You see how that works? And then it works vice versa. That. Yeah, but yours will already be lit by the time I get done talking about my Mine. Anyway, I may, I may not get mine lit by the end of the show at this rate. At this rate, well, stop yapping and let me talk. I am smoking the Florida Los Antillas Maduro. Now, you've had this cigar, right, Shane? See how I can do that? Oh, you're just going to take your time. Like, okay. Uh, this is from My Father's Cigars. It is a follow-up to what was at one point number one cigar of the year by Aficionado. You're really taking your time with that light. I appreciate that. Um but it's the Maduro wrapper gives it kind of pushes it from the medium into the medium full category. It is on here somewhere. It's an Oscuro wrapper. Oh, Habano Ecuadorian Habano Sun Grown Oscuro wrapper, mm-hmm. uh, and it's got Nicaraguan binder and filler. So it's everything that my father does well in terms of a Nicaraguan cigar. But the Maduro wrapper on this really gives you some sweetness and some creaminess to go with it that is more in line with the traditional Maduro that is just phenomenal. It's one of those cigars that I don't go to as often as I should, um, but it's sub $10, so it's right there in that daily smoke category. I believe you smoked that cigar on the first episode we ever recorded of the cigar cast that never made it to air. I smoked the natural, not the Maduro. Oh, okay. Hey, I get credit for uh, you remember. Do get, you do get credit for that. <laughs> because, I, because I couldn't even begin. To, I can't even tell you what you smoked last week. Uh, given the uh, little piece of how the sausage is made here. Every Friday night when I go to cobble the podcast together and upload it and write that little description, with very few exceptions, every single week, despite the fact that we recorded only two days earlier, once I finish putting the, the podcast together and I'm writing a little description, I have to go back into the audio file and listen to the first five minutes of the show for you to introduce your cigar and me mine to remember what each of us smoked. 
Or, That's how bad. <laughs> or in this case today, the first 20 minutes of the show. <laughs> we're going we're gonna to get it lit just about the time to take a break at this rate. At this rate. But, okay. but we've got nowhere to be, so it's all good. Well, we want to talk about something fun first. And I'll... Um, Drew Estate is adding a limited edition Undercrown Shade Perfecto. It's going to debut at the sh- the IPCPR. I've already spoken. Who are they going to name it after? I don't know <laughs> why it's not. Why they don't just go ahead and change one letter and call it the Undercrown Shane, I'll never know. Because that seems to be my cigar of choice. Um, surprisingly, the Undercrown Shade Suprema will come packed in five-count boxes that carry a suggested retail of $47.99 or $9.60 a cigar. Not bad. That's only sl- marginally higher than the regular? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like there's really very little... to a dollar more? Yeah, very little difference. Very competitively priced because it's a, it is a 6 by 54 at the fat part. You know, it's a perfecto, so it's tapered right. on both ends. But, okay... Again, I'm a big fan of standards. I'm a big fan of rules, of regulations being put into place that make sense. Now, I'm not a fan of stupid rules. Right. You don't like rules for the sake of rules, but if they actually serve a purpose, then why not? If your cigar is under $15, you are not allowed to put it in smaller than a 20-count box. You know, I, I, I don't know that I disagree with you on that. Because I am all for a limited production special edition cigar at an everyman price. Well, here's the thing. If you're going to produce a $25 special edition, you know, whatever, 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 and you say, you know, let's put it in a 10-count box because a 20-count box requires a trip to the mortgage office. Mm -hmm. I can understand that. But a 10-count, and now we're down to a 5-count box. I mean, when does this end? So I would, I would give you a 10-count box on your rule, perhaps. But at the same time, how many limited editions do you know that people who are big fans of a particular brand or line, but they can't get their hands on it because of quantity or because it's if it is one of those $25 and you've got a 10 count box so all of a sudden not not everybody has $250 just laying around that they can spend on an exclusive cigar so i really like the idea of let's let's assume that or like like let's pretend that your daily or monthly cigar budget was a quarter of what it is okay you are the biggest fan of the Undercrown Shade of anybody I know. True. The, the, the fact that you'd be able to get a box for 50 bucks. Yeah, but a five-count box, it's not like it's going to look, you know, it's going to look like a sampler pack in your humidor. It is, but at the same time, they're only going to make so many of this cigar in this size. So by putting it in five-count boxes, you increase the likelihood that more true fans are going to be able to get their hands on them. I, I can go with that. I mean, so the binder and filler is going to be a Dominican Criollo, Nicaraguan Corojo. And the... Cri- um, Criollo is one of the unsung heroes of the... You don't see nearly enough done with that leaf, and it's one of my absolute favorites. Well, it's an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper and an Ecuadorian Sumatra binder. There's a lot going on in that. That, that 
I don't know. I understand product branding, but at a certain point, do you get further enough away it's no longer a shade? Yeah, because I don't think... I mean, it doesn't sound like it has just a whole lot in common with the Underground shade. No. I mean, just the label. Maybe they just didn't want to print up a new label. Could be. But you know what? Maybe it's an FDA thing. Well, no, because it's a new size. If anybody will know, when I get one and get here on the podcast and light it up, I can tell you if it should be a shade or not. Because I've I've probably went through, in my life, uh, conservatively four or five boxes of Underground shade. That is so conservative. You're probably (laughs) closer to seven or eight. Conservatively speaking. Okay. Because that cigar's only been around for, what, three years? Four years? Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Not a super long time. And all, but, I, but when it first came out, I didn't like it as well because I was going through my dark cigar phase. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until I started coming back to the lighter cigars and figuring how the complexity can affect you that I really got back into it. Yeah, I remember when you had your first one and how, you know, I think you went maybe a couple of months between your first, you know, your first one to your fifth one was a few months. And then I don't think I've seen you smoke a regular shade since. I'm sure you have, but I haven't seen it. I've burned through almost a box. But that's really the reason is that's my morning smoke. Yeah. You rarely ever will see me have an afternoon shade. Right. And it's just the way it's built. So this is interesting. Convenience Store Decisions Magazine. CSStoreDecisions.com. Seems like a real niche market. I don't know. I'm just I'm I'm glad it's in English. So they're talking about the re- the article is is titled "Cigars Await Future Regulation," and this is about talking about um, flavored cigars going away and what the impact on the convenience store industry is going to be. It's a good conversation to be having. I mean, if you think about the convenience store, is very similar to the grocery store in that there's a lot of politics involved in what gets shelf space and which shelves those are on. So, yeah, if you are a convenience store that gives a lot of your behind-the-counter shelf space to cigars and those may be going away, it could potentially have a pretty big impact on how you order, how you run your business, what you're able to do. I get. I don't know. Here's the thing. I hate to call machine-made cigars cigars. Right. Because I've never had one that made me think cigar. Every time I've ever had one, I've thought of something terrible. Right. No, black and mild Swisher Sweets, those kinds of things, which are commonly called cigars, you and I would not call a cigar. But now, here's the point they make. This is really the whole reason I brought up this article. Um, I was actually having a discussion in here last night with a listener about the, you know, we brought up the comparison of cigars and alcohol. Mm-hmm. And why is everybody going after cigars and not alcohol? They when, tried that once. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess what have we got to have a prohibition period of cigars before they'll let it go? But, so, you can buy any flavor of um, wine cooler or flavors of whiskey with cinnamon in them. Well, look what they did with vodka a few years ago. I mean, all of a sudden, about 5, 10, maybe even 12 years ago, all of a sudden you couldn't buy vodka anymore. It was grape vodka and peach vodka and cinnamon vodka and vanilla and, and all these different flavors. So that's... Well, and answer me this. 
the number of times in the last six months you have heard of somewhere getting busted for selling alcohol to underage versus the number of times you've heard of anybody ever getting busted for selling cigars to underage. Right. I mean, let's just take the last six months in alcohol and the entirety of cigars. Alcohol still blows it away. Mm -hmm. So they're going after flavored cigars to protect the children, but they're leaving the flavored wine coolers and whatever else and all the the terrible, terrible things they do to whiskey now. Yeah, because there's more money there. Okay. But I, I, but I mean, better lobbyists. That's, yeah, that's what it all boils down to. Well, and it does. You know, the chief lobbyists are for the you know the cigarette companies and all of those things, which are pretty. They're pretty iffy and pretty slimy altogether. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, I think the big thing too. I mean, especially when you consider, you know, I I, I drank through college, and you know, it was amazing as I got older and older. To where it was, it was, it was the wine coolers, it was the flavored stuff, and then it was the flavored vodkas, and then it was, and then all of a sudden the people, as I got into that upper 20s and into my 30s, all of a sudden you don't see those flavored things, the hypnotic, the the strawberry vodka, the coconut stuff, all that stuff started to fall away. It was still available, but the people of a certain age to appreciate what they were doing and and drinking for a purpose other than getting drunk, all of a sudden they didn't care. So, I mean, I think you're exactly right that it does attract a younger audience, at least in the realm of, of alcohol. Well, you know, to, to use a Corolla line, people in the yummy phase of life want the, you know, the grape scotch and they want the coconut rum and they want the, you know, what bubblegum flavored vodka and they want all of that stuff in that yummy phase. In, in Jimmy Buffett's... Uh, Live You Had to Be There, which is the greatest Jimmy Buffett album of all time. It was filmed at the Fox Theater in Atlanta, or, you know, recorded. He's introducing grapefruit, juicy fruit, and he talks about going to the drive-in as a kid with a young lady and mixing up a batch of Purple Passion, which was grape schnapps and something else. Right. The the young lady saying, "I can't even taste the alcohol." That's the idea, sugar. Like, but I mean, it's that you know when you're at that. I mean, if we ignore the the blatant issues with that, the whole point is. Sorry, repeat that, Mister Cosby. The easy. (laughs) No, because there are. I mean, there are some issues with that. Certainly, but. Um, and I don't want to make light of that, but the the point is at a certain point of your youthful imbibing, it's all about the buzz and it's all about the flavor and, and be in that yummy phase like you talked about. Well, I'm going to have to take your word for it because I've never had that phase of life. The The phase of wanting to alter my conscious has never been part of my life. I'm one, And I'm, I admit I'm the the rarity. And, I, you know, I've said it before. I'm 43. I've never been drunk. My wife corrected me and told me what age I was last week after we listened. Um, you know, I've never been drunk. Not my thing. And all, But I think part of it is I don't like bitter, so I don't like beer. You know, you kind of got to have that bitter, that enjoyment of bitter to like beer. You do. You really, I mean, as I sit over here drinking a cup of black coffee. I'm all about the bitter. Right. And, and I just, that's just not a part of my flavor palette. And with cigars, that's not a part of my palate. The bitter cigars, I don't care for. Which I don't really, which is interesting because I don't really care for bitter cigars either. 
Yeah, and you know, and I'm not speaking bitter derogatory as in something sour or something's wrong. I mean, right. they purposely made it a bitter cigar. Yeah. And it's just, you know, it's probably one of the reasons I don't like Gurkha. Right. A lot of Gurkha have that bitter bite to them, and I just don't care for Gurkha probably for that very reason. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think when, you know, when you're growing up and mom's trying to force you to eat your broccoli or your Brussels sprouts or your anything leafy and green, you know, it's 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 an acquired taste, something that right. we heard quite a bit. Yeah, that that acquired taste is bitterness. That's It's a flavor appreciation that you tend to develop as an adult. Some people don't, as you haven't, but it's one of those things that there's a reason why kids like carrots, because they're sweet. But back to the point of the article. The point of the article is, why go after flavored cigars and leave basically alcoholic Kool-Aid on the shelves? What are, what are we getting out of this? Yeah, it's... I, I think... You know, I think it should be... You know, I, I definitely think there's, like we said, flavors attract a younger audience. Is it just the is it just the age difference that they assume that that eighteen to twenty one demographic is? I, no, I, I, I you it, got me, but we're moving on. <laughs> I'm you're afraid I'm going to do this to death. Is that what's going well, on? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to move it along here because I think we've definitely beat that horse. Okay, one more story before we go to the break. All right. So, Swisher Sweets. Did you know there was a lawsuit against Swisher Sweet? I didn't. They Swisher Sweet lost the lawsuit. And well, so Pottle Wilts, P-O-D-A-W-I-L-T-Z, Pottle Wilts versus Swisher International Inc. Settlement. So the lawsuit was brought against Swisher. Tell me this is not a lawyer. Um, this this dude has got to be the biggest ambulance chaser I have ever seen in my life. Yeah. He decided to sue Swisher Sweets in a class action lawsuit because Swisher Sweets Cigarello five packs advertised as five for the price is three violated the Oregon Unlawful Trade Practices Act. You know what? This is actually not that uncommon. In, and, and I know where this comes from because I've seen it other places. If you cannot buy three for that price, then you cannot claim that it's five for the price of three. Dead on. That's exactly what this lawsuit is about. So if you purchased a um, Swisher Sweet five for the pack of three, price of three between the August 25th of 2015 and February 7th of 2019, you can go to the website of Cision PR Newswire and just search Swisher Sweet, and they'll give you a link to actually send in an application where they will give you, depending on how egregious, you know, how many you purchased or whatever, how egregiously you were affected by the five for three advertising. But I don't want five. I only want three. Well, I mean, but that's the, I mean, that's the idea behind the whole thing. So you can submit a claim and they'll send you one, two, or three free cigars. Well, that just seems a little counterintuitive as a settlement. I got more cigars than I wanted, so they're going to send me more free cigars. I don't get it. I'm not following it, but here's what happened. This slimy lawyer, Uh you know, he was running down the road, chasing an ambulance, tripped over a box of five for three Swisher Sweets, got mad, 
and decided to sue Swisher because he said, hey, there's a big bag full of money right. that I can try to take advantage of. Well, and that's the dirty little secret with class action lawsuits. Is the only people that make money in a class action lawsuit are the attorneys. 100%. That's true of most lawsuits, in fact, but it's particularly true of class action. But if Swisher Sweets offended you because you could only buy five of their cigars instead of three, why you wouldn't buy five and throw five in the trash, I don't know. But if they offended you, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say that so loud. They do own Drew Estate. It's true. <laughs> but if they offended you so, you have recourse. I think that that's our public service message for the <laughs> night. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about some new cigars come out. All right, we'll be back with that more after this. Shane here with this week's Cigar Under 8. I want to talk about the CAO Nicaraguan. This come out a year or two ago. Um, great smoke. I've only had one of them because they're not that easy to find. They're really not. But this follows the series that they did many, many years ago. They had the Brasilia, the Colombia, the Italia, and the American. Right. And now they have the Nicaraguan. Um, this has tobacco blended from all three of Nicaragua's prime regions. And all. That is... Jalapa, Esteli, and the something valley. I was almost there. Two Con- out of three ain't bad. Just Condego. Condego. Condego Valley. And uh, it's covered with a dark Hamastron wrapper. And this is a pretty stout smoke now. This, especially at six four six ninety nine a stick, um, this is a lot of flavor. This ain't a beginner's cigar, but boy, it's rich. It's good. Um, it has a lot of that Nicaraguan flavor that you really like. And say what you will about CAO across the line. I think they do a great job, and they've been getting better recently. But throughout the history of that company, that that regional series, that national series that they've been, there's never been a stinker in the lot. Yeah, always been well. The Brazil, excellent, probably my favorite of that series. But this Nicaraguan is very, very good. So until next week, try the CAO Nicaraguan. Welcome back to the Cigar Cast. This is one of your hosts, Shane, sitting across from the man once accused of racist parking at a cigar shop, Mr. Trey Dedman. <laughs> I wondered if that was going to come into play or not. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. I just, I just thought I would bring that up that some, that somehow you got accused of that. This, that bump joke is going to make the most sense to one listener in particular, and he is going to get such a kick out of that because he was witness to the whole thing. <laughs> he's he's going to love that joke. Sometimes I do them just for one or two people. Do I need to explain myself there, or do you want to just let that sit? Well, here, here I'll explain you for you. Okay. So Trey is anti-pulling through a parking places, and someone pulled through a parking place, and he honked at them or sat there or something like that. And they went in the cigar shop and accused him of racism. Is that about the the sum of it? That's that's yeah. That's the Reader's Digest Digest version. So yeah, you know, it's it's not worth delving into no, that. No, I know. Deeply. But it was just so funny that you know, there's two parking spaces there. There's two of us. But no, you got to pull through because you're too feeble to be able to back out of a parking spot. I can't believe that I have spent this long without smoking this MJ12. Isn't that fantastic? It's a really, really good cigar. And it's right around the $12 mark, if I remember correctly. Yeah. So it's not, it's one of those you're not going to smoke every day, but it's not so far up the ladder that you have to stay away from it. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not a cheap smoke, but it's a very good smoke, and the humidification in it is perfect. 
Yeah. And all, it's burning at the perfect pace. You know, now I talked a lot and raised a lot of cane the first half of the show, and I still got two-thirds of a cigar left. But for what... And it hasn't gone out on you or even threatened to at any point. Oh, no. And for what is a, you know, it's a, what, a 54? Six by 54? I believe so, yeah. You know... For what is a smaller cigar, normally I would burn through it a little quicker, but this is just burning nice and slow and even. The flavor is rich. Um, just a great, great smoke. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the humidification level of that cigar um, because it's, what's interesting about that to me is you're in the construction industry, as you know, and so you kind of understand like vapor barriers and things. We wrap houses, we do sure. go, we, all these things. In the pre plastic era, so going back around Nashville, there were a lot of homes built in the 20s, 30s, and 40s. It was when the city really kind of started booming the first time. Um, what the standard practice at that point was below the subfloor. Well, they didn't have subfloors. They just laid the place. They used to use a foil-backed paper as a vapor barrier. So, I mean, that which is essentially exactly what you have on that cigar. So... I mean, it's really doing its job, and I would say more effectively even than the cellophane does to this day, because the cellophane has the big opening at the end, whereas that was rolled tight. Yeah, I actually had to correct someone the other night. They were trying to sniff their cigar through the cellophane, and I said, you are aware that the cellophane is there to keep the scent in, that you're not right. going to sniff of the cellophane and understand what your cigar smells like. I saw that on an episode of MASH the other day, and I was like, come on, Sherman Potter, you know better. <laughs> yeah, don't sniff it. At, folks, don't sniff the cellophane. <laughs> it's it's not sanitized for your protection so that everybody can sniff it. If you sniff the cellophane, you know what you're going to smell? Cellophane. And I'll, how's the Flor de los Antilias? It's good. I have not smoked the cigar in a while, actually. Uh, I've smoked the regular a few times since the last time I smoked this one. It's, yeah, it's in that medium full. It's pairing with my coffee very, very nicely. It's a perfect, like, flavor wheelhouse for me. I'm borderline smoked out today. I haven't had any more cigars than usual, but, I mean, it's just so hot and humid. It has been just sweltering. I'm wearing lightweight, you know, clothing mint for this kind of weather, and I still just can't get cooled down. Oh, yeah. I've been steadily moving the dog walk up earlier every yeah. morning, just trying to get away from the, the humidity. The heat ain't bad. I mean, I don't mind sweating. It's the humidity that you just can't breathe. Yeah. I mean, I have, I've been having to ride my bike at 530 in the morning, get up at sunrise just to beat the heat. So you earned a cigar. You. If you get up at 5.30, ride your bike, you can have a cigar on the way to work. Got up at 3.30 Monday morning, if you can believe that. Oh, yeah. Airport run. Oh. All right. So, do you want to talk about your lighter before yeah, I get into Canadian tobacco? Are we, well, are we jumping into IPCPR stuff, or do you just you want to get me all riled up before we do the rest of the show? I'll tell you what. Let's talk about Canadian tobacco right. first, and then we'll come back. Okay. And I'll, do you know of any Canadian cigars? I can't think of a single cigar that has ever told me it had Canadian tobacco in it. Nothing comes to mind. I wouldn't think that the climate would be super conducive. Now, there's a tobacco belt, actually, in Montreal where they do produce tobacco. Mostly now, for pipe, I would guess, and cigarettes? It would have to be something like that or for a really light, you know, sunshine creates strength in tobacco. Right. So up that far north, it would have to be a very light, very mild tobacco. But if anybody out there knows a good Canadian cigar, Facebook me. 
I'd, I'd give it a shot. Yeah. I'd like to take a run I, at I'd it. I'd be interested to taste a Canadian cigar as well. You know, it tastes like the elk it was grown in. <laughs> but anyway, so this article is from the Kingston Whig Standard. As in W-H-I-G? Yes, thewig.com is actually where you can go to find this article. Without whiskey, cigar sales tumbled. So, um, cigar smoking was a big business in Canada in the 1800s, and local tobacconists were up to the challenge. Consumption per capita increased from 1,804 pounds in 1861 to 1,980 pounds in 1871, which is a, that's, that's a pretty big increase, but those are kind of units right. I'm not that familiar with. I know I don't smoke 1,804 pounds of tobacco a year. Right. And I, I can't be just a shade over a thousand. So it's yeah, it, it is really hard to uh, to put that in terms of cigars. But the the Canadian cigar king was Bavarian-born Abendorfer. It only says his last name. It never says his first name. Abendorfer, born in 1830, and he first set foot and learned the trade in New York. Okay. And then he moved north in 1857. Um, lots of interesting stuff in here. I'm not going to hit this article too hard because we got important stuff to talk about, but I do, I do like reading about exotic tobaccos, mm-hmm. and this is definitely an exotic tobacco. But the interesting thing that happened is in um, 1864, or excuse me, Scott Act of 1878, also known as the Canada Temperance Act, it's called the Canada Temperance Act. Why would it be the Canadian Temperance Act? But anyway, um, basically they their version of prohibition, mm-hmm. and cigar sales took a significant drop when people could no longer have whiskey with their cigars. How many people have you known throughout your life? You didn't a couple thousand. You didn't experience the same amount of debauchery in your youth as I did. However, how many people have you known in your life that uttered the words? I only smoke when I drink. I hear that all the time. All the time. So it makes perfect sense to me if the height of culture is cigars, that they would take a hit if uh, drinking has been outlawed. I get Well, and of course, cigar technology in 1878 probably wasn't what it is today. I'm sure not. Probably not as big a change as, you know, automobiles, but it it's probably wasn't what it is today. You know, automobiles back then had a horse in front of them. Exactly. But um, it's interesting that... Ran on leaded or unleaded <laughs> gas, depending on what it had for lunch. That's right. But it's it's just a, it's a cool idea to me that there was such a correlation. And I wonder if, you know, how many... Okay, if you look in here right now, and uh, how many people smoking a cigar have a beer in their hand? Probably two-thirds. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds. Yeah. And all, but if there was no beer, how many people would be in here smoking? Probably the same number. Probably the same number. I don't think it's. A, I don't think the two things are tied together anymore. I don't think that that's a. Well, you you don't have the high society thing. You know, it used to be in vogue to smoke cigars. It used to be the sort of the populist thing to do. Smoking's been vilified. It's not that way anymore. Even cigars, not to as great extent as as cigarettes, but it is. So I think the people who smoke cigars are going to continue to smoke cigars. Well, and if you took a cross-section culturally of the people in here right now, you know, we have a, a realtor, we have an auto worker, we have a musician sitting in here. Um, we have somebody that makes a lot of money, but nobody knows what he does. 
and uh, we got a professional golfer sitting over in the corner smoking a cigar. Yeah. So it's such a wide, you know, we spoke about it last week, how inclusive the cigar culture is. It's such a wide and varied right. gathering of people. And all it's it's pretty amazing. So it's it's interesting that the banning of whiskey affected the sale of cigars then, and I don't think it would now. Yeah, I don't think it I, I don't think it would either. And if that past five minutes segment was only interesting to me, you're welcome. I did it just for me. Okay, so before we start talking about all the releases at IPCPR, and we're going to get into this in the next two weeks, pretty heavy. First thing I want to talk about: they're changing IPCPR is changing their name and rebranding the organization. All right. So, for the, um, in 1933, it was founded, and then they changed their name in 2007 for the Jeopardy Quiz Answer Grand Prize. Do you know what the former name of the IPCPR was? Uh, I know it didn't include pipes. Is that what it was? Retail Tobacco Dealers of America. Yeah. RTDA. Okay. Why would you go from RTTA to IPCPR? Because you didn't want cigarette companies to be in the mix. Oh, so you took tobacco out. And replaced it with premium cigars and pipes. Premium cigars and pipes. So that's why. They don't mention what the new name is going to be. Hopefully by this time next week we'll know what the new name of it is going to be. But I hope it's something easier. Yeah, you do get tongue-tied on that quite a bit. Oh, I get it. I get it wrong at least 87% of the time. I guarantee you, it's I say ICPPBR or PBR or CBR. Well, they're with five letters to remember and no clever acronym. It's I mean, there's a huge margin for error yeah, there. Yeah, could, could you know? Could we call it something that's got an acronym? You know, the the realtor association I joined is Southern Middle Tennessee Associated Realtors. I can always remember it because it's Simtar. And also, IPCPR, go ahead and do something and make it simple. And all because the last time you didn't make it simple, you made it harder. But anyway, tell me about the show. What do you got? All right, before I get into what I'm all up in arms about, I want to tell you about what I'm most excited about. I've had it on the show. I've been smoking it a lot off the show. Is the um, the H Upman anniversary from AJ Fernandez? Right. Love that cigar. Good smoke. Absolutely love that cigar. It's. Medium to maybe medium full, but lots of flavor. It's a perfect summer cigar. It doesn't blow my palate out. They're releasing a new version this year at the show, and I'm really, really anxious to get my hands on that What's cigar. What's the blend going to be? Uh, they haven't announced. Uh, tell me what you're most excited about. Jerk. <laughs> I did that just to I know you did. Just to be a jerk. <laughs> Okay. I had it up on my computer, but not on my phone. Folks, while Trey actually does some show prep during the show, I'm going to talk about the Indian motorcycle cigar getting a lighter leaf. So Phil Zingy has um, made the Indian motorcycle cigar, and it was made in collaboration with Debonair, which was in collaboration with Drew Estate. And it was a good cigar, but it was just a little bit more on that harsh side than what I generally like. And somebody up there listened to me. So they're doing an Ecuadorian Connecticut wrapper, and it's going to be the Indian motorcycle shade. So they're pulling a page out of Drew Estates and going the shade route. And I thought of you immediately when I saw this. 
So it's a Connecticut seed wrapper grown in Ecuador, Dominican binder, and Dominican filler with some Nicaraguan. This is show prep, by the way, also. By the way, Trey. Um, Nicaraguan filler as well. It's available in two sizes, 5 by 50 and 6 by 52 MSRP, 750 and 830 so really re- reasonable. Um, said the boxes should be in retailers by August or September, but I definitely need to put this on my wish list for Austin. And uh, while he's wandering around the show, I need to try one of so these. So the, the H.E.T. Upman 175 anniversary by A.J. Fernandez is going to be only offered in a 7x50 Churchill, which is perfectly fine by me. I love that size. Nicaraguan Puro that uses Medio Tiempo tobacco leaves found on the highest part of only some tobacco plants. So it's going to be right in the um, right in the flavor category of what the other one was, it sounds like. It sounds like it's going to be, you know, geared about that. You know, and Altadis has been doing some good stuff. I don't know if Altadis got new blenders or new growers or what, but they've really brought the, they've raised their game probably more than anybody. And I'll tell you what, you know, I've said it on the show before, when Crown Heads first hit the market, I was not a fan. Then they started collaborating with My Father's Cigars and their stuff has been incredible ever since. I think the 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 real answer behind this for Altidus is their collaborations. They've been doing, they've been stepping out of the same old humdrum stuff They've been collaborating with people, particularly AJ Fernandez, and I've loved everything that's come, every single thing that's come out of that. Yeah, and I think that's the key. You know, if you're going to be a mega mega tobacco company, then you need to to nurture some relationships with some master blenders, some boutique guys, because it gives the boutique guys such a bigger, you know, broader spectrum of tobacco to work with when they go into somebody that produces, you know, 15 million cigars a year. Absolutely. But I will, I will say, Altadis has definitely, you know, if we were doing an awards show and we wanted to give a show to major reta- major retailer that has come along this year, last year General would have won it, this year Altadis won it. I think we need to add collaboration this year. Probably do. Probably should add collaboration to the, to the Stogie Awards in yeah. January. And I'll, I'll make a note of that. But, um, and the collaboration is okay as long as you don't get too many hands in the till. It's true. When you start putting a couple of big name people together and using super exclusive tobaccos and doing short releases, small batches, the price goes up so fast that it becomes unattainable for your average cigar smoker. Well, the perfect example is the All Out King. Mm -hmm. You know, Jonathan Drew and Robert Caldwell collaborated on that cigar and... It was a good cigar, but it was so far above the price mark of where that cigar should have been. Yeah. You know, it was 6 to $7 more than what that cigar should have cost. And it's just because it's, you know, a boutique company in Drew Estates. Didn't they, Caldwell also do a Matt Booth one that was similarly priced? Yeah, they well, they've done the T Connecticut by, with A.J. Fernandez. Okay. And, all, and But it was not as bad. The price on it yeah. wasn't nearly as bad as the All Out Kings. The Kings is kind of the the benchmark for how that works. I agree. And, you know, I love Drew Estate cigars. You almost made it, Shane. I almost made it. I love Drew Estate cigars, but it doesn't seem like they've really rocked it out this year. It doesn't seem like 19's been a strong Drew Estate year for me. Yeah, I haven't seen. They've been focusing. It seems like 
you know, they've released some new tins. They've been, I've been seeing a lot of news out of the acid line for them this year. I don't think it's really found its way into our sphere very much. Probably they've definitely not. been making some moves and they've been doing some stuff, but I just don't think it's entered our our vision. Probably not. It's pro- you know, it's it's probably we're definitely serious cigar smokers. And when you bring something to us, it better taste like a cigar. Exactly. And they're such a subculture brand. It's probably just it's probably not that they haven't done well. It's probably that they haven't done in our wheelhouse. Exactly. What we're kind of used to. That would be my uh, hypothesis, if you will. Okay. The other thing I'm really excited to talk about is the Guardian of the Farm Night Watch. I'm really excited about this, too, because the Guardian of the Farm was a cigar that I didn't have until after your review of it on the show, and I fell in love with that cigar. Well, so it's a, it's a, it's a, it's not considered a collaboration, but it is two different blenders. It is Max Fernandez and Kyle Gillis of Warped Cigars. Mm-hmm. So probably going to have a little bit of that warped cigar flavor to it. It's going to be a shade-grown Maduro wrapper. So it's probably going to have a little more kick than the, the standard Guardian of the Farm that we know and love. Which I would love to see. I, I would, I, I'd be, I, the only complaint I have about that cigar, and it's not even a complaint, it's just that it's not for every occasion because it is a little on the lighter side. If it had just a little bit more to it, it could be a total workhorse in terms of, you know, after a meal, morning, everything. But they've done that thing we hate. The Rambo four and a half by forty-eight, and the Campion six by fifty-two. Don't name your sizes. Don't give me a Toro, a Churchill, a Corona, a Robusto, etc. Yeah, don't make it more complex than it has to be. No. But aside from doing the one thing we hate, um, the price is going to be good eight fifty to nine ninety-five before local taxes. So you know, probably eleven twelve bucks by the time we get them in the shop around here. Yeah, probably so. Speaking but, of things we hate. Oh, were you not done? I'm sorry. I was done, by all means. Oh, okay. Speaking of things... Being interrupted. Oh. <laughs> Speaking of things I hate. Um, so the reason I didn't have the show prep is because we said before the show we weren't going to go into IPCPR stuff this week, and so I left it all in the car. Vertigo has announced three new lighters. And I think it was the last time we talked about this. It's, it's completely three new lighters. It's a, a triple in the regular cluster... It's a, an angled double jet and a single jet, and it's uh, going to be released at the show. They're all excited about it. It looks absolutely like everything else they already make. What is the point? You know, we, we try not to complain a lot on the show, but it does seem like this happens. Yeah. But haven't you seen all, those, all three of those lighters before? Oh, yeah. That looks like just every Vertigo Firebird yes. that they've ever made. And I, and I like, I like when How they am I d- supposed to get excited about this? I've already seen it. Even if I haven't already seen it, it looks like something I've already seen. Well, and it doesn't, it doesn't bring anything special to the table. No. They're not innovating. They're not creating anything new. They're just slapping a new name on something that's been around forever. Yeah, they're not really... Yeah, they're, they're not doing anything innovative there. Unlike... Have you seen the ST DuPont Crazy Diamond Lighter? Yes, I have. Do you have a picture of it? Up? I do. Right I don't have there. it in front of me. That thing is so gorgeous. It looks like broken glass. So they're using a French style um, jewelry look- technique, Claude de Paris. Claude de Paris? Probably. Anyway, they're using that 
style, and it looks like a diamond. It's got the roller ball on it. This is just a beautiful, beautiful lighter. And the finish is called Palladium, which is just amazing. Um, what would you pay, since you haven't read the article, what would you pay for the ST DuPont Crazy Diamond? Which, hey, I would rather they called it the ST DuPont Palladium. I think that would have been a better name. Well, Palladium is the metal on the finish. That's not something you can trademark. So you'll see jewelry made out of palladium as well. Like, it's, it's just... Um, so what would you pay for the Line 2 Crazy Diamond? Let's see, the Line 2 by itself is the Crazy Diamond and Palladium, $4,000. Too high. Oh, too high. Priced at a very reasonable $1,203. That surprises me. That's that's not bad. Uh-uh. That's not a bad price. You know, if you want a thousand dollar lighter, I don't, I don't know what I could ever do to justify a thousand dollar lighter. I mean, how many times can you sit around in the cigar shop just going, bing, bing? Yeah, and everybody's going to walk by and say, "Wow, that's a nice looking lighter," but it, and that's it. Yeah, and that's it until they say, "Can I borrow it?" No, I need you to sign this release, ma'am. Yeah, but Shane, I'm your wife. I don't care. <laughs> We're not even getting into that because I sit next to her while we listen to the show and I get hit <laughs> often enough as it is. And I'll but there. you're not denying it. No. Next week we're going to talk about all the accessories. I think next week we need to do an accessory show. We need to talk about the IPCPR accessories that are coming out. We do, but I can't wait for this next one. Have you seen? And, and if you haven't, I will table it till next week. They're making a table lighter in the Quasar style. I have not seen that, but, All right. I, but I, will, I will own one. Yeah, I figured you would. You're going to be really excited about this. We'll, we'll save it and talk about it on next week's show. Yeah, we definitely need to talk about that on next week's show because by then all the IPCPR stuff will be out and we'll have a more comprehensive list. Right. Um, I love accessories. I just love accessories. I do, which is so funny because we constantly bring up accessories on the show and then talk about how we'd never own them. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm just not going to spend $1,000 on a lighter. No, I'm, I'm not either. But, yeah, the, the cutters and scissors and lighters, that's, to me, there are only so many cigars out there. And you can only show your personality through the cigar that you smoke to a certain extent. Because everyone, or, or a, a large number of people, have smoked that same cigar. But if you go after some of these unique accessories, there's a good possibility that you're the only one that has it or it says something about you and I just I think there's so much more you can do with accessories in terms of kind of personalizing your cigar experience that's why I get excited about it yeah and you know and I carry a kit so my accessory you know one of the main reasons I carry a kit is so my accessories look good Mm -hmm. you know they're not bouncing around in my pocket with my pocket knife and my keys and my multi-tool and all of those things you mean it doesn't look all beat to hell like that one see my 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 Julius looks like it just come out of the box you've also had yours for three years less than I've had mine well that's true but it stays in my kit, and it stays right. protected, and that's, that's a big part of it. And why is somebody not made and marketed a cigar kit? Well, they do. There's that leather one that we talked about. But just for accessories. Uh, and I'll just, you know, I use a bike tool roll for one of my kits. Yeah. I, I think the idea is that if someone is going to go to the care and attention to take their accessories with them, they're probably going to want to have some way to include the cigars. I, I can see I can see why 
you wouldn't necessarily have one separate from the other. Oh, yeah. And next week, we're definitely talking about the new Cohiba Ashtray humidor. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm you were showing me a video on that before, and that's very sharp. Yeah. And all, but tell everybody how to get a hold of us. So you can always get a hold of us via email at info at thecigarcast.com. We're available on Facebook at facebook.com slash thecigarcast and Instagram and Twitter at thecigarcast. Well, everybody, thank you for listening to us. Go out and earn yourself a good cigar today. And until next week, have a great cigar and think well of us. Mm-hmm.